episode of Thirsty Thursday. That's the that's the TT that's song. The, uh... <laughs> what? <laughs> that was a Freudian slip. Maybe I don't know. It was the TT song, Thirsty Thursday song. TT song. Oh, okay. Okay. UT. It's the UT song. Speaking of UT, for those of you that are tuning in for the first time, my name is Matt Martin. Alongside me, we have Ryan Demay and Ray Ito. And on Thirsty Thursday, we like to do a couple things. Sometimes we will just take live calls from whoever decides to tune in. And we'll talk grass just as hard and aggressively as we possibly can. And then at other times, we'll uh, we'll invite people in from uh, the community to come on and take advantage of picking our brain and us, in certain instances, picking their brain. Um, because, you know, some people don't have health insurance. And, you know, when you get the opportunity to have an MD on, uh, then, damn it, you make the absolute most of that opportunity by grilling <laughs> them with as many questions as possible. But more importantly than solving our our uh, uh, ailments is uh, that we have we have an SEC man on the other end of our uh, of our guest log tonight. We have ear, nose, and turf, sir. How the hell are you doing? What's going on, gentlemen? It's good to be on tonight. It's good to put a face with the name because, you know, I see you in pictures sometimes and it's like from a distance and sideways. But when you when you get to see like facial expressions and that stuff, you know, it really it completes the personality. I've talked to you yeah. enough on the shows and, 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 and in chats and stuff, but to actually have you here, it's a different experience. And I'm, I'm happy you're here. Glad you're here. Uh, sir. I'm happy to be here, man. Next step is just meeting in person and then you can really see my facial expressions. That's right. Uh, and when we do, warn, warning is I have a propensity to lose articles of clothing and hug. I'm a hugger. And, uh, and that's, that's, that's just the way it is. And he, cry, okay. he might cry and, and call I you a really too. bad name, too. I mean, all, <laughs> I've seen all those things happen in the matter of like less than 30 minutes. It's a true story. I can get to it when I got to get to it. There's uh, there's no delay. Speaking of getting to it, when you got to get to it, uh, sometimes if you get to it too hard and and you end up watching the sun come up in the morning, uh, you know you that was that was a cheap callback. Hypothetically, uh, nah, yeah. well, you know George yeah. Keith Wilson had a real real fun bag time on that one. Boy, he uh, well, not only, listen, Matt, not only, you know, not only did when the bullets are whizzing over your head. When, I said, when the bullets are whizzing over your head at the used car dealership, man, you can't tell me that those boys back in the 80s and early 90s selling a Camaro RS, right? Right off the lot, didn't go in there, rip a whole bunch of lines and play clear the mirror right there in the break room. Come you on. You know George, George Keith, Keith Wilson, Wilson wishes he had an IROC Z. <laughs> you know he wished he had an IROC T-tops? Yes, for sure. Yes. Or he, the Trans Am with the whole bird painted on the hood. Painted on the hood you, right you're there. damn right. The guy doesn't even smoke cigarettes, but he keeps a pack of Marlboro Reds on the dash just in case. <laughs> when he gets pulled over in it, he revs he revs that V8 up to about 6,000 RPMs as the cop is approaching just to show uh, the, the alpha in him. Uh, by the way, and the guy, the guy thinks that I'm, I'm vaping um, some sort of illicit substance. It's, it's not. Uh, this is... Keep it 100 OG Orchard. Um, uh, this is a four milligram nicotine. Uh, this is not. This is not Delta Eight. This is not THC. I do not partake in that. We were talking about that in the show before the show. So, uh, well, sorry, George Keith Wilson. The-, the only thing that's fried in my brain is the piece of me that uh, that had to had to procreate and 
uh, honestly read the absolute garbage that comes out of your out of your brain hole. George George Keith Wilson is the guy that would drive an automatic IROC Z just like he would rotary mow <laughs> say, uh, Bermuda grass. You know that's the same thing. And same thing. He, so listen, he would also simp for uh, for how to with Doc as well, um, and has oh yeah. So, not only will he simp for Ginger, he will simp for How to with Doc. The guy, the guy, honestly is he's not doing okay. Someone hurt him at some point in his life, and you know he's still struggling to to rectify all those demons. I get it, totally get it, not judge. But well, listen, the, you know the thing I'm excited about I, is uh, I uh, we, we've got a doctor on here, right? And we've got <laughs> a uh, a former fraternity member. And uh, now, ear, nose, and turf. You were not in a fraternity, were you? Or you were? I was. Yeah. All right, you were. So we got two two frat guys here. So I was Where, thinking about this today. I was. Go ahead. When, what? What? Uh, what? What? Like, look at his fucking tattoo on the side of his. I didn't mean to say that for this early into the show. Uh, yeah, look at fuck. look at all the ink he's got over there. He's got he's got ER tats and all doctor tats and all kinds of stuff. What fraternity were you in? Du. Du. What? What is this? What is Du? Delta Epsilon. Delta. Okay. Okay. Uh, that's got to be a USC thing. There was no. Uh, They're small northern frat because uh, didn't matter that I was there for four years. That I was a Yankee from the day I got there until the day I left. So how <laughs> did you end up? How did you? How did? How did you end up at, at USC? And by the way, for anybody that thinks USC is Southern California, go to hell. It's, uh, <laughs> exactly. it's South Carolina. Big Ten member USC. All right, watch your language. <laughs> Yeah, uh, I honestly I I hate the cold. Mm-hmm. Um, believe it or not, and bless your heart. I wanted I somewhere there was, you know, good weather and short skirts. Oh, I went and I went to the USC, and that day in April, flowers were blooming, my friends. <laughs> it's beautiful weather, is what I mean. All right, beautiful weather. Well, you know, so, okay. Go ahead. No, you go ahead. You go ahead. I'm so hyper right now. I can't say it. like I'm blown away. I, we, have, I, we have an MD on here. Well, well, I'm saying we have an MD. So uh, like this this uh, this simple act, right? You know, weird stuff floats through my head all day long, and sometimes <laughs> you all are unlucky enough to hear it. That's just the way it is. So I'm um, I'm I, I, I'm thinking like this all just occurred to me in like a matter of seconds. I'm slicing up strawberries, you know, for the kids, and I dig down deep in the strawberry thing, and there's that one ugly bastard that's got like the white mycelium stuff all over it's just one bad strawberry and i'm thinking man you know tonight we got an md on maybe i'll ask him something about this whatever and i thought man this is like the guy at the frat that comes back with crabs and takes a shit after his date and gets it all over the toilet seat and gives the entire frat crabs you know so <laughs> billy i have no shave that shit idea and use- what you're talking about <laughs> no that happened that, that's a true story that happened at ohio state that happened at ohio state of Somebody brought crabs back to Ohio State. It's just the way we roll up here. You know, you got to shave and use the shampoo. I was not in a frat. I did not participate in this. Wasn't affected or afflicted by it. Uh, but I remain. It reminded me of that, and I wanted to ask a doctor. You know, do, do you ever have uh, you know somebody that walks in and has crabs all over the toilet seat and gets it up? You know, in their ear, nose, or throat area. I don't. I don't even know if you can. Uh, I don't <laughs> remember that test question see, ever coming up. See, about crabs See, they going should put, from to your face. They they should do they should do some work on this and they should put it on the medical boards because at some point, Matt, we've got monkeypox now. Okay, 
I know. You be careful. I've been dealing with it for like I've got long monkeypox. I've had it for like the last six weeks, and uh, doesn't doesn't seem to be getting any better. But you know, I feel great. All right, so you know, awesome. without having uh, you know any crabs on the toilet seat at this house, because you know we've got a doctor in the house. What do you see? Do you see my monkey? Pox? <laughs> I see your monkey. Po- yeah, yeah. That's yeah. it. That's all monkeypox. What's the analysis on those monkeypox there? <laughs> ENT's looking at me like, does he legitimately have monkeypox? No, I do not. Like high self index, right? That's actually what it is. That is uh, that is uh, uh, that is that is chemical burn. Well, I'll, I'll just I'll leave it as simple as that. It is uh, it is chemical burn because right now this is the time you're, you know everybody talks about how wonderful the South is, right? I'm not, I've never heard anything negative about the South. The thing is, there's a caveat to it: never is that during the summer. I haven't. Uh, shut up, Demay. I don't want to hear the first negative thing about the South from you. Um, is that when you wear gloves? Is uh, is that you know? In uh, effectively, when it's ninety degrees indoors and it's ninety percent relative humidity, is that wearing gloves is oftentimes like rubber banding um, uh, water balloons to your hands, right? And uh, and so uh, if you if you get little bits of urea or ammonium sulfate or ferrous sulfate that fall into the cracks of your of your glove and it solubilizes and makes it way into your water balloon uh and you know you have to you have to you gotta you gotta dump them out every every now and then but i use my right hand a lot you know when i'm like opening super sacks or you know you know knocking a a a clump out of a blender or something and you know it gets on me and it'll you know it'll it'll give you the monkey pox burn on your wrist kind of sort of thing isn't it Hell yeah. So how, what in God's green earth possessed you to want to go to medical school? I got it. I got to know. I was a failed actor. Believe it or not. Uh, I went to university of South Carolina and, uh, became an actor and they're not exactly known for their, uh, acting program, but I was a big fish in a small pond, did well, went back to New York city where I grew up and, I did not want to be a server for the rest of my life. I figured that out pretty quickly. And like most actors, my backup was becoming a doctor. So <laughs> George Clooney did that, as a matter of fact. You know, it worked out pretty well for him. Alec Baldwin, too. Uh, in fact, that's why they had to stop filming Rust, is that he opted to, uh, to go to medical school. It was, uh, it was a hell of and, so did, uh, and so did Hugh Laurie. that's right now you know and then right you can't you can't you can't forget you know oj was an actor he he did some surgery you know and not licensed by the board or anything better with a knife than i am i'll tell you that yeah i mean better with gloves than i am too apparently (laughs) if it doesn't fit you must quit So acting, like, were you more interested in film, Broadway? Like, what was your what was your niche? Yeah, I mean, I was mostly did theater. Um, okay, I, I can't sing worth a damn, so uh, it was mostly plays. And then I did a little bit of film. I was planning on eventually, you know, being in L.A. and and doing L.A. New York type of thing. Um, but man, it is. You think that being a doctor is hard? Being an actor is just so much chance. Like everybody's good at, at a certain point. Everybody's amazing. And it's just a matter of like time and luck. And with politics. becoming a doctor and politics. Yeah. And, and with becoming a doctor, it was politics. like so much more 
like there's your path you just have to cross this checkpoint and then this checkpoint and then this checkpoint and you know you're you're gonna be okay it's it's <laughs> both two extreme levels of self-sacrifice right uh you know you're you're having to really put yourself out there in both ways except one uh you know you you kind of eliminate that luck piece of it and you can just rely on pure determination and and uh what i what yeah. i like to refer to colloquially as uh cockstrong you know you can just be cockstrong you're and 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 you know physically demand yourself and say, well of course if you have the mental capacity yeah. too well, let's not i don't i don't want to discount that you have to have you're not going to find a room temperature IQ guy out there, uh, uh, you know, waltzing their way through medical school. I would say. <laughs> Sorry, I love the waltz. Oh, I love the dead jokes. <laughs> what did one oh. tonsil say to the other tonsil? Get dressed up. The doctor is taking his out. That's, that's funny. <laughs> <laughs> Big D over here, Derek. <laughs> Derek, <laughs> yes, He's coming in hot. He's coming in hot. <laughs> so all right talk, talk to me talk to me a little bit about about residency uh because th- that is like yeah. the ultimate trial by fire right you know some people some people become navy seals and they have to experience hell week uh you decide to become a, a doctor and you have to experience residency uh yeah what, what, what's 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 that like <laughs> it sucks <laughs> uh <laughs> <laughs> I uh no I I just finished my uh, my uh supposedly hardest year um at the end of June cuz our first of the year is uh, July 1st um okay. and so I'm um, now in a year which is supposedly the best year so um so far so so good you know July's been really I'm on quote unquote a research month and I've been on vacation for the past week. So, um, it's really like night and day, but before this, um, I mean, it's, you know, 80 hour weeks, you know, minimum. Um, mm-hmm. and then, you know, you're on call two or three times a week. So that means, you know, 5 PM to 7 AM, uh, if it's a weekday, you're on call, you're the, and you're the only ENT in, uh, in the hospital, uh, in, covering multiple hospitals actually um and so uh you know you can be pulled in multiple different directions and just be sweating all night long um uh and have people die on you um while you're sleep deprived and it is it's like you said like you know i'm I'm no navy seal so i i can't really compare it but it feels very similar in that this is like a a trial by fire and you got to get through it and just come out the end sane at the very least. Mm. And, and be careful on yes, how you answer this. Ended. I'm going to, I'm going to, uh, I'm going to make light of a very serious situation here. And, uh, and, and one, I, I want to say that not only do I respect the fact that, that you've, you've decided to become a doctor too, it's because you're wearing a V-neck and we know only the smartest people wear V-necks. If I could get my Here Come the Mummy shirt and a V-neck, I'm tempted to turn it into one myself. But be careful how you answer this. Are you still in South Carolina, or did you trade and defect to the north? Are you a trader? Yeah. No, I mean, I went right back home. <laughs> oh, son of a bitch. This guy right here. <laughs> Wait, you mean physically, right? Not mentally. Yeah. Like, 
because <laughs> my heart's still down there. I mean, I love Charleston. I love, um, I mean, I was in Columbia, which is the hottest place on earth, but yeah. Charleston wasn't yeah. that far away and is one of my favorite places in the universe. So I, I do love it down there. Um, but I am way, way north now. Why, why, why would you go back there? I don't, I don't get it. It's like cold. <laughs> Snow? Well, New York City. So uh, a little bit of my background. I mean, I grew up in New York City uh, for okay. the most part. I bounced around. Um, uh, never had a lawn ever uh, until I bought my house uh, when I started residency a couple years ago uh, up here in central New York. Um, and honestly, after after doing the whole theater thing, I had to come back to New York City. Uh, it was like, it was home and it was exactly where I needed to be to do what I wanted to do. And then I ended up just staying around there until med school and uh, then subsequently residency, both in upstate New York. So the transition from uh, uh, real doc to lawn doc, yeah, tell me. Uh, how, how did you, you bought a house, you had a yard and then what happened? You had a midlife crisis. I had, uh, <laughs> I looked out in my yard and I had uh, finished uh, redoing my deck. That was the first project as soon as I moved in to the house. And I looked out the yard and I was like, man, you know, that's a lot of grass. Uh, that grass looks different than that grass. I've heard of something called crabgrass before. What? I wonder what that is. And then I Googled it. And next thing I know, I'm like, pulling crabgrass out by hand out of my entire yard um, because it was just completely covered in, in crabgrass. And I was like, well, it's a weed. You're supposed to pull weeds. You know, that was just all I knew. And I had seen online that crabgrass was bad. So uh, it started there and then it spiraled <laughs> real quick. Um, you know, I, I started with the YouTube videos. I think, you know, we where probably all of us have started with the most popular YouTube videos and throwing it down um, and learning some things, you know, some basics that are actually pretty good. And then some things that cost me a lot of money and a lot of heartache and, uh, you know, probably cost the environment something too, um, you know, based on some, some less than ideal advice. And so I just kept digging deeper and deeper and uh, Ryan Knorr's videos actually were really helpful. And then, stumbled on this podcast called the, the the turf cast podcast i don't know if you guys have heard of it um Ooh. but uh there's there was this consultant on there who who sounded really smart and i was like <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. you know what i'm gonna listen to this guy and then he decided to go on another podcast and uh, here we are <laughs> so that Honestly, was uh, annoying May never what, heard of it. What I'm hearing. Uh, well, let me say, I'm I, I'm I'm a huge fan of you guys in general. I'll start this off. Don't don't you mute me, anybody? Um, because you guys are you're you, doing what I will fight you. I what I, I appreciate, which is you're, you're putting out information. You know, you're you're not trying to be gatekeepers of information. You're trying to educate, and you know, I mean, I, I remember stumbling upon your you know, whiteboard videos and just watching them like Ugh. over and over again. Yeah, I know. But 
you know, it wasn't the best of presentations, but I got the information, <laughs> you know, and I appreciated it. You know what I mean? Like uh, it, it was for me trustworthy because you were explaining it down to the level of detail that it needed to be explained. And you quote unquote got into the weeds on things. So I'm a huge fan of you guys. And, and that's how I ended up here tonight. And well, we're, we're a big fan of you too. And, uh, and listen, there's, uh, and I, I don't know, perhaps, perhaps you learned this uh, at some point in, in school, but, uh, what is it? Uh, better, better living through chemistry kind of sort of thing. You know, it's kind of like, a, you know, you can, uh, the, the, the adaptation of chemistry and turf grass management can be fruitful or it could be absolutely catastrophic. Right. And I feel like with any chemistry, uh, just like, you know, you don't, you don't chop up and snort, you know, a thousand milligrams of Tylenol four times a day, uh, just for grins and giggles, you know, at the, at the same, same time, you know, you don't, you don't, you don't throw it down. If you, if you were, were bringing in an anesthesiologist to, to, to put under one of your, uh, one of your soon to be patients, you know, do you, do you high five him, uh, prior to washing hands and ask him to, uh, you know, throw it down kind of sort of thing? Is it, hang on <laughs> one second, John Perry, let me ask you real quick. If you were entering surgery uh, and uh, your your surgeon high five the anesthesiologist and he said, I bet you're going to throw it down. Would you continue with that surgery, whether it be elective or not? I would advise anybody who's thinking of doing this not. OK, I'm good. He, now, he, listen, now, listen, now, listen, now, John, John. He would, but he would consult a medical professional, right? Somebody who's done it before, has had lots of training has experienced all that stuff before. Now, John Perry, would you hire a consultant or a golf course superintendent to help you grow in your putting green? I would advise anybody who's thinking of doing this not. That's unfortunate. It really is. And, you know, here we are. But you know what? I trust that in the future, John will learn from this and uh, ear, nose, and turf will never, ever in any uh, professional capacity, asked to throw down when it comes to uh, prescription medications and or procedures on a patient. Do not throw her down. Don't Do place not it throw down her down. <laughs> place, yeah, place it down lightly. And uh, can you scrub those paddles in for me real quick, just in case something goes wrong? <laughs> Go ahead, Doc. Zip my ass. <laughs> All right, Matt. We're going to throw it down. <laughs> This sounds like a preview to Louisville. That sounds <laughs> Yes, we might actually use an AED on that just to see what happens. Stun gun Ray will be the, just to really Ray capture be... the full spectrum of uh, amperage that can flow through me. Now, you may not know this, and this has nothing to do with turf nor uh, medicine, but Matt is an absolute sucker for a good uh, stun gun video. So, uh, if you want to, and if you're... If you're a member on uh, Don't tease me, bro. our channel, go to yeah, go to Dirty Deeds and throw up your favorite stun gun videos, and we'll watch those later in the show because there's nothing I, more than wa- watching Matt watch somebody videos. freaking out, and then they get tased, and then they literally just tip over like a hundred foot redwood in the forest and face plant. He he can it's watch the, it for days, boys. It's the contrast, right? It's the contrast <laughs> of like full fledged panic 
into just nothingness. <laughs> it gets me every time. It's so good. <laughs> See, folks, he is a real human being. You know, we think all he does is work and talk grass and not watch movies, but he is a real person. He has, he, when he's not picking a Twitter fight, he's he's a real treat to be around. So, okay. All right, so you discover this whole turf thing. You come full circle. You find us, and, and God bless you for finding us, and, and we're not the, the end-all, be-all by any stretch. Uh, you know, we're... We're somewhere in the middle between uh, doing the best we can and uh, consistently not fucking shit up on a regular basis. We still fuck shit up, but you know it's gotten less and less as as time's gone on. So, with yeah. that being said, okay, so you 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 get into this stuff and you finally start figuring out, okay, hey, I can do this, I can do that. What are your first moves? Like, what did you do with the house and the lawn and everything like that? And also because, uh, you know, it, it, it can be an issue in, uh, in a new household. What kind of political capital have you had to expend to uh, push your agenda through? Oh, a whole lot of political capital and financial <laughs> capital. Um, and, uh, Cost you know, me a Range Rover, actually. <laughs> uh, a lot of begging and pleading, and please, I don't have any other hobbies. Um, yeah. So, uh, so basically, it, it went step by step. I mean, I, I went down the wormhole, um, and it, it was first thing was, you know, let's make this better. You know, um, and, you know, I, I want to sk skip past the whole, all the mistakes that I made uh, oh, before that's fine, that's fine. I came to, to the, the truth. I mean, we can talk about it. I can tell well, you well, but I'm just, okay, things okay. that I did. Well, hang on. I don't, I don't, I don't want to be saying you're, 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 just, you're shitting on everybody. So we'll, we'll tap. Hang on. We'll tap da dance around this. Let's and we'll, we'll talk from a high level here. First things first. Did you try to tackle weeds first or did you oversee first, you know, kind of in, in that step? Did you wait till fall, oversee kind of thing? Did you did you grab a bottle of Quinclorac and go and go light up the backyard? How did how did it begin? <laughs> All of the above. Uh, uh, yes. So yes. probably the first thing was like weed and feed. Uh, you know, that's just sure. it go to, right? And that did nothing. Um, and then it was yeah i was pulling a lot of stuff by hand and then um i did i tried to kill like mature crabgrass with that little you know that pre-made bottle of ortho crabgrass killer yes. uh, i got about seven plants before the bottle was done yes. <laughs> and i was like well, and then they just sat there dead for the next couple weeks uh i was like well this is a huge waste of time uh, but the kicker was when I tried to do the overseed because I was told you're, you know, you're supposed to do a fall overseed, you know, uh, and I put down a buttload of Milo, uh, Scott's starter with mesotrione and uh, a bunch of Scott's Kentucky bluegrass because I, I heard that Kentucky bluegrass was a good grass. That showed me exactly how much of my yard was creeping bent grass. And oh. I found out that I had, a, I would say like 40% creeping bent grass in my yard. Oh. Um, and it was just not pretty for a long time. <laughs> 
and <laughs> that political capital of why why is our lawn white <laughs> is it is it going to stop being white why is that part right there just dead um yeah that was when i really was like you know what i really don't think i'm getting <laughs> the best of information here and this is interesting enough for me to to get more into it um and so uh yeah i, I that winter was a long, long winter um i ended up reading uh it's probably one of the first steps is i read the the turgeon uh textbook um it's a turf grass management mm-hmm. i think uh mm-hmm. fundamentals or something like that yeah um i read one or two textbooks just you know it, for fun between different things yeah well he's yeah, in I'm that mode right I, I, I read a book <laughs> and, yeah yeah i mean it, you know i uh yeah when i had some downtime at work i was just uh, reading through that stuff and and really learning the fundamentals and learning the basics and being like okay like you know i i would then go out through the yard and pick up you know pieces of grass that look different and learn how to identify what the oracle was and the legule and you know what what is you know a uh, boat shaped tip look like and uh you know really figuring out okay that was creeping bent grass you know yeah. and and um it just kept going further and further and further until i was like all right i want to invest a little something into this and probably the the biggest step was buying the the massport rotorola which was a, a recommended piece of equipment on turf cast podcast. I think episode four. Yeah. Um, I was like, that's, that sounds like somebody I know. Okay. <laughs> I'm just, I, I, all I do is just speak information, whatever people do with it. Uh, you know, I, I can't be held liable. Isn't that what all the YouTube personalities say? Right. I'm just making content. Right. Exactly. I, don't, I didn't mean I didn't mean to put that paid link for MSMA in my link <laughs> in the description below. I was I, I didn't mean to feel. bejack bejack my son in the jaw with an elbow when I was talking to the garden lady. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so the uh <laughs> I'm stretching it out there. That right peck yeah. that's <laughs> tight. That's too much, yeah, it's too a, much so the okay, so you, you you read all the books and okay, so here is my question on the mistake part and all that kind of stuff is, you know, was there what was that what was that precipice that you crossed over, you know, just like in medical school and you know, your yeah. path of residency and everything like that? What was that point you crossed over? Like, all right, like I got to get serious about this because this isn't working. Was it like one singular event or was it a culmination of a lot of things? What was that moment you were like, all right, I'm going to really like dive into this and try to figure it out the right way instead of just like clicking through the first 30 seconds of 100 YouTube videos and still not really knowing how to do it, right? Yeah. How to do uh, it, right? Honestly, I think it was probably that that uh, Scott's starter with Mesotrion that probably kicked it off where I saw like you know, I had that was a good bit of money, a couple bags of that you know, bag of seed, a couple bags of Milo. I mean, it, it wasn't cheap and it, it did the opposite of what I wanted it to do. Um, and then, you know, uh, it, it was just, it was just about problem solving. And for me, I'm the type of person who, you know, when I really want to learn something, I, I cannot learn it wrong because it's so much harder for me to learn it 
right afterwards and like relearn yeah. it. So I Un was like, let me relearn. Yeah. Yeah. Let me stop going to these YouTube videos and let me go down to the source. And so it was, you know, the, the textbooks, the, you know, turf cast, it was the, um, Oh, oh God. What's that website? Uh, the turf, uh, webinars, um, turf that turf, what is it? Turfnet, yeah, Turfnet. Turfnet webinars, guys. If there's any nerd out there who really wants to nerd out, those are some awesome webinars. That I will shout out that the Drive Your Growth Rate by Bill Kreuzer is like one of the best lectures I've seen on there. Um, and they break it down, and and it's trustworthy, and it's it's no bullshit, you know. Um, yeah, I mean, there's a lot of stuff on there. Um, and, and you got to filter through what, what's really relevant. Um, but, uh, there, there's some really, really good, good lectures there. Um, and, uh, yeah, it was just, just seeing that, like just absolute failure. And then, like I said, the next step was getting that Rotorola and like that transformed my yard to, you know, <laughs> transform my yard into something a lot better, you know? Um, and it was addicting. It was like, okay, these are some cool stripes. This all looks good. This is like really nice. And it just like, no matter what I did to what I had there with that piece of equipment, I just kept hitting a wall, you know, like mm. whether it was just crapping out in, in once it got hot or <laughs> I think I talked to you guys before, uh, what really, when I did turns on it, uh, especially early in the season with that Rotorola, the roller just completely destroyed the grass. And it was like, mm -hmm. just had no tolerance to anything. Um, mm -hmm. And I was pouring a ton of fur on it. And I was like, you know, you know, the, the most expensive investment is cheap grass seed. Let me actually invest in, in some good grass seed and let's and do this. You know, and so I did the full renovation. Wow. And that was that was a lot. <laughs> yeah, you know, uh, I wanna say how proud I am of you that when you have when you have downtime to to pick and choose what you're gonna read, some people will pick up Faulkner. Some people will <laughs> pick up Jack Kerouac. I'm not smart enough for that. No. And he's like, you know what? I'm gonna pick up a couple of turfgrass books and uh and i'm and i'm gonna i'm gonna i'm gonna do a little turfgrass 101 self self teaching for me here I, and listen why why I, I dig that is is that if you looked at the history of what i have read for pleasure over the last 12 years there would be there would be no books it would be all basically white papers just research papers over and over and over and over and over because it's, it's, it's fascinating. That's the piece of it. That's fascinating to me is that there's not a day that goes by in this industry that I do not learn something new. And for me, yeah. that is completely paramount to, to, to my psyche, to my mental health, to, yeah. to, to me as a human being that if I ever got bored with it, you know, I'd, I'd move away from it's, it's why I'm married to a foreigner, right? Because there's, it's impossible to, for me to get married and uh, to, to get bored in that relationship because every day you're learning something new about culture or whatever the case may be and, you know, uh, melding languages and all that fun stuff. 
I like that aspect of always being in a perpetual state of challenge, right? And uh, and, it, and, it, and it's nice that you were able to find that from a hobby standpoint and from a career standpoint to allow you to be in this perpetual state of evolution. So I dig the absolute shit out of that, sir. 100%. I appreciate it, man. I appreciate it. And I, I think that's why, you know, um, you know, I, I'm such a, a big fan. I think we're similar personalities and, and stuff like that. And, um, you know, it, it's good to appreciate knowledge, you know, you know, at, at its, at its most basic and understanding our, our limits, you know, and, and saying that, like, I don't know, this is the amount of information, the amount of evidence we have to support this. And this is why I do this. But maybe I don't know, maybe there's more to know about this. But um, yeah, yeah, mostly just me picking up those textbooks just because I'm just an absolute nerd. Um, so anyways, <laughs> Jay Pink, if you want to show actually, um, I, I've got uh, before Reno uh, one, you could see that like uh, this, like I had gotten it to a, a very good standpoint, you know, um, it, it looked good. It was a little bit limey green, but you know, the, the stripes and everything had, had gotten things really nice and, you know, uniform, but it just, it was never that real uniform that I wanted it. And, um, so then the, the reno, uh, burned down, I think you can, the reno kill, um, you can show and, and reno burn, just show it all, man. Um, so I, I went through and I did uh, my best with my, my sprayer and uh, killed it all off, go. did the front and the back, uh, and then I burned, I literally burned the back because I just was bored. Um, <laughs> I wanted to see what it would do. Uh, um, <laughs> it, it burned. Uh, not fast enough that I needed to call the fire department, but it burned. Um, no, no sheds were burned down in the making of that video. Oh, hey. I'm a little disappointed hey. in you. <laughs> <laughs> if I had a shed, I would have burned it down just for you, Matt. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. I highly uh, encourage but, everyone out there to take advantage of that when they, when they can <laughs> safely. Uh, the next thing that I did was the sand cap. And that was Ooh. thanks to, uh, Mr. DeMay here who had said it was, it was like, uh, what's the quote from the movie? When, once you get a sip, it just, it tastes so good. Once it hits your lips. Yeah. Frank. Yeah. Frank, the tank, Frank, that'd be a good movie to watch. That'd be a great movie to watch. Matt is Frank, the tank. Really? Um, and so I, I sand capped it. If you can put the the sand funny video, cause that's probably the best. Um, (laughs) I I do not have the equipment. Like I said, this is my first home. I, I had never mowed a yard day in my life before this. Um, and so trying to put down 46 tons of sand uh, without equipment Damn. was a, <laughs> a bit of a challenge. 46 tons. Wait, 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 wait. 46 tons of sand? How big how yeah. big's the lawn again? Uh, it is uh, seven thousand square feet. That's just one load, Holy. by the way. That, he, that was just the first load. <laughs> oh my God, Lord! <laughs> what did you do this with, then? 
so well at first it was just me and a shovel and i was then i once i got the piles like out there I was, I was like let me let me just pull this pull something around it to try to you know drag this to just make a makeshift drag and i had an old baby gate that was lying around um <laughs> and so i'm pulling this baby gate behind me and it's like you know this is august <laughs> I'm sweating. I'm, you can see in the video, I'm drenched in sweat. And then <laughs> uh, I'm like, I, I got to have something that can pull this. Let me grab my old, uh, my first mower that I got, this Ryobi electric thing that I didn't give a shit about anymore. And just started going around in circles. And uh, <laughs> I'll tell you what, it, it did That's not. That's a lime green shirt. Look at the, do you see the corners there that have, have not been met with moisture? Just the two corners above his pockets. <laughs> Sir, your shirt yeah, is intense. ruined at that point. Yeah. So uh, next step was to actually go, uh, what is it? Sand, sand three and sand four, J-Pink. Um, <laughs> Lord have mercy. The very next day I made a phone call. Um, to a little rental place and decided to um, the national suicide hotline. <laughs> <laughs> no, it was actually you do to my chiropractor. No, kidding. I picked up one of these guys at, at Sunday. Oh, ah, there we go. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Give me the yeah. dingo. Yeah. So. <laughs> That you see how much drier that lime green shirt is. Yeah, <laughs> uh, that made quick work of forty six tons of sand. Are you are you are you wearing scrubs as well? Yeah. Oh yeah, I, they're the easiest thing. I I never have to worry. He was on about call. It. Like, he was on call. <laughs> <laughs> if I destroy them, I just get another pair. Uh, so. <laughs> Uh, so that actually, that Toro Dingo, I, um, I I got all 46 tons at least piled out in like three hours or less. Um, and then actually spread it out within another hour or two. Um, now, the spreading of the sand was by no means scientific. It was not perfect. And that led to some problems that we got into this year. But oh. I got the sand down. I got some uh, that Lesco seed starter mulch that I threw pellets mm -hmm. out at the yard and um, and just um, put the seed out. Put out four um, four different um, uh, compact midnights. So I had New Glade, uh, Bewitched, uh, Everest, and Midnight. Um, Ooh. put down uh, 10 pounds of each over 7,000 square feet. I put down a little bit less than that. So, um, ended up, uh, having a little bit extra, which I wanted to just, just in case. Um, and that was like September one and started irrigating. And I'll tell you what, uh, trying to do this on a sand cap without an actual irrigation system in place oh. is just oh so so painful uh, I, I, <laughs> I, I, got, I, gotta, I gotta know something i'm sorry to cut you off 
No, please. I'm when that not, when that first going. dump truck of sand was was <laughs> laid in the driveway, what did your wife think? <laughs> she goes, what she, she was goes, going through her mind? <laughs> she goes. The first thing she said to me was, "He told me this was only half." <laughs> oh. <laughs> Sweetheart, oh. actually, I, I I checked the load slip and I did the math. It's actually forty eight point nine two percent. So it's a little <laughs> less than half, as a matter of fact. <laughs> because you married a nerd. Sorry. Uh, <laughs> yeah, she she well, the thing she was least thrilled about was actually that she she did see how much it cost. Did not cost as much as John Perry paid for his sand, but hey. <laughs> It was, uh, you got a guy. Was, you got a guy. I got a guy. I got, I got a, guy. a guy. And actually, that's, you know, I'll tell you what. I spent like six months thinking about doing this sand cap and going back and forth, but I could not find a guy. I could, nothing I could do until I made a phone call, like an old person, and actually talked to a human being and was like, hey, where can I get this sand? And he was like, oh, just call my boy Frank. He's got it. Yeah, it's USGA spec. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and I was like, I spent See? six months like trolling the internet trying to fi- figure this out. I was like, listen, listen, you ain't finding nobody in a sand pit that doesn't have a fax machine that has ever been on any <laughs> social media platform, right? Or gives a fuck what the latest slang is. Like, everybody at the sand pit, they're living in the past, man. They're living in the past. So, can you, um, can you write me a check? uh yeah no i'm sorry i don't all right we check they do if they yeah yeah, if you if you pay there at the way house they're probably doing the old you know slide back and forth credit card thing to get you the piece of paper you you know you know we're gonna put two percent on this you asshole for (laughs) (laughs) charge fees we only accept diners club damn or or, uh come in here or 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 can you pay cash Yeah. yeah Oh yeah, yeah. Can you pay cash? Can you pay cash? I mean, that's that's the other one. Tax is that... if you pay cash. That's when you know you're dealing with an old guy. Be like, eh, if you pay cash, you ain't got to pay taxes on it. Like, oh, does it matter? Ooh, yeah, yeah. Well, actually, now that's kind of going away. Ever since the IRS and various states started tracking all cash transactions or cash deposits above, I think. Uh, $10,000 in one day. Mm-hmm. See? I mean, ever, si- ever since they started doing that, uh, you're highly encouraged to pay via check or card because check and card transactions are not subject to IRS reporting. Did, did everybody did you, hear that? You guys, Look, we're not just no. teaching grass and, and, uh, and medicine here. We're, we're also teaching... Uh, tax evasion. It's one of the things we get into. <laughs> yeah, usually, we just save this for the after show. But oh, you, you know, when well, in Rome, when in Rome, <laughs> when in Rome, me. I, I mean, <laughs> oh, yeah. You see, uh, I'm actually probably the guy you don't want to know because uh, let's just say that I'm probably the shadiest one on here. <laughs> 
Beep, beep. <laughs> Sorry, I'm trying to insert some breaks in there to trick the uh, trick the algorithm in case in case they they start flagging Ray all of a sudden. Yeah. <laughs> all right, so you you Split didn't that anticipate that the uh, the irrigation. So talk to us about the challenges. Yeah, what were the challenges specifically, and moreover, what would a automatic irrigation system have? helped you out with and I, I still don't think it would have overcome all those challenges but lay it on us look at that look at that thing yeah beautiful best. so good goodness this is a nice looking rod uh so the challenges uh let's Delicole. starting with what the equipment that i used was i had two of those four um spout um uh, what's it called hose timers um mm -hmm. one on the the front of the house and one on the back so what i was running was um basically four irrigation heads um on on the front and four irrigation heads on the back um doing like basically you know 10 minute intervals or whatever um and trying to time it out so that they you know it one was going at a time because i had I had the Hunter PGP Ultras on there with, um, you know, the the max flow rate that I could get without losing pressure. And that was, I think, a, either a six or an, an eight um, on there. And that equipment itself <laughs> just failed on me. I mean, it just, it, mm. after a, a couple of days, like that hose and timer just started not working like it it would just <laughs> not turn off and then i'd have one irrigation head that was just kept going and then the other ones are cycling and then so i've got half pressure so i'm i'm just like dumping water and and which is washing sand down um and it was it was a nightmare i think you know that part of it if i had an in-ground system would have been a lot better um just being able to trust that it's going to work um, when you say that it should, you know, um, and, uh, it, you know, have a little bit more fail safes there. The, the thing that probably wouldn't have been much of a difference was the fact that I was on a slope and I decided to go without, um, any erosion control. So mm. that is where I got into some trouble too. Um, cause I ended up having some washout areas, you know, just where the water flows, the sand would go. and it's been no a problem. Reinforcement. Nothing. C3 Maddie. Well, I, I, like I said, I next. put that Lesco pellets down. But that's about it. Yeah, those aren't those aren't going to do the erosion Lunch. control so much. But yeah, Lunch. yeah, they they had tackifier in there, Demay. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I don't know, man. I don't know. That's that's like yeah, it's just a, a it, it count. Oh, boy. oh yeah, 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 yeah. Look at this. Yeah, so that's from like a downspout area right there. Is just you could see, and and so now now the things are grown in. Like that area is fine. It's just like it's super not level. Like what I had gone into this project thinking was I was going to level my lawn, and what I ended up with was less level than what I started with. <laughs> that, that's okay because it's I skipped step. ahead. Of, 
you know, yeah, I skipped the head because now I've got at least a two inch sand cap pretty much throughout the entire yard. And I don't have to do a slow buildup. You know, I, I, I can fix those little areas and just move forward from here. But it's been sure. a pain in the ass to mow this year. So I'm just looking forward to, you know, moving forward. And yeah, then this was a a big problem here. And we had talked about this in one of my drunken phone calls to you guys. Um, uh, Is that I had these dry spots and I was like, they are zapping like immediately. And I, after talking to you guys, I was like, you know, let me actually just see how deep this is. So I plugged one area where it was dry and where it died and one area where it was green. And it was the difference of an inch in just in these pictures, but there was one dry area that was six inches of sand cap. So, hmm. you know, that non-scientific method really ended up biting me in those areas, uh, especially poor baby without... gate. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so it, that's, right, that's so probably like the hardest part right now dealing with is those. So this areas. was last fall that you did this. Yeah. When I established. Okay. All right. So what does it look like now? And what are, what have been the challenges you faced this year so far? And also how's the weather been? Because I assume that you're still unirrigated. That looks terrible. I mean, you know what? This is fucking unacceptable. (laughs) I'm sorry. (laughs) And believe it or not, this, this back area, this is like the minimum i've done very little to this i just started putting any level of irrigation on it uh like three or four weeks ago and this picture is probably Hmm. a week old so it it perked up real quick after putting some irrigation on it but the front area is really whale looks the money maker i'm 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 shocked at the at the the little natural grass whale there it's it's doing really well so that's been a that's been a challenge that failed miserably. Uh, it, it, J pink. If you see swale fail in there. Yeah. Um, so is this one of the things that looks good from a distance and then, yeah, yeah, it doesn't, it does not look great right now. Uh, it looks okay. Look, it looks better than I thought, uh, and sure. better than what I'd had at the beginning of the season. Cause that's a, that swale is a, a spring okay. seed. So, in April, I dug up that entire area. I dug a four-foot trench and put in a perforated drain pipe, 100 feet of it, and put in a sump pump in the back. Damn. Um, did you, did you put in geotextile reinforcement then? No. So I, I, I just did a, uh, a, wait. <laughs> a, a drainage basin on, on one side. Um, that the problem is, is all of the, the water that's coming on from other properties. Uh, sure. so it's just a constant trickle from uh, like uphill. And then there's a, a huge tree root, like right at my property line that basically just stopped all the water and just, it was standing water. Yeah. Gotcha. Right there. Oh, yuck. And yuck. yeah. And that was like last year, it was like, uh, 365 days. It was like that. It was just constant standing water and so you know i was like <laughs> i got to do something about it you know so i, I put in the please, sump pump yeah please please tell what me that here can you put that picture back up where where do you pump the water to through like a catch uh, basin or something 
we'll we'll talk about don't it. Ask, don't tell in the after okay. show. That's that's fine. <laughs> okay, that is fine. That's all I need to know. Just uh, <laughs> as a matter D-A-D-T. of principle, please, you know, when when your um, when your child's old enough to have a swing set, you know, don't <laughs> please don't make them uh, you know cross this body of water and have to give them that National Weather Service warning. Hey, turn around, don't drown. You know, if you see a puddle, if you see standing water, it, it's deep enough you could you know die in it. Don't make them cross over that shit or build a bridge or do something, man. These parents over here, that's that's child endangerment. <laughs> Hashtag woke parent. All right. So, so let's see. go ahead. So I spring seeded that after after putting, you know, I, I re-leveled that. That area back there, starting at the swale back to the fence, is all no sand. Uh wasn't allowed to. Um, wasn't allowed to put a uh, sump pump there either, but, um, basically that's all just, you know, uh, spring seeding and put, you know, put down some tenacity. Um, and it is mostly crabgrass, lots and lots of nut sedge over at the far end there. Sure. Um, and, and it's gonna need some work. It's definitely well, like the I, area that hmm. needs the most work. Hang on. I'm I'm going to snuff you right here and say, listen, if you have that much sedge there, I would I would not try to get rid of the sedge in favor of another grass. The carrot species is going to tolerate incredibly dry weather. It's going to tolerate incre- incredibly wet weather. You can intercede into it with all the fine grass you got, but considering that's a swale, I would call that a natural area, and I would I'd let the sedge proliferate and do what it's going to do and then leave your line of lawn grass you know up there where it's a bit a bit easier to maintain in my opinion i think that's fair i mean yeah it's the simplest option what do you want yeah. there though that's my question is like there there's not it's always going to be i'm not going to say it always an ice rain garden take you need to install a rain oh garden. yes a bioswale Yes. <laughs> I listen. I'll get hippie here. I'll get hippie. I I would like. Well, I mean, considering you already have the swale there, it 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 backs up on on the uh, on the other end over here. I it would not be anything to me to continue to let that swale run and then capture it in a rain garden and, and make it a nice little feature right there. You know, somewhere behind your uh behind your your garden, your actual garden. Everybody wins. Yeah, I mean, it's it's uh. I, I I thought of everything, even the bridge to Terabithia. Um, and honestly, at a certain point, I was just like, I just don't want water here. And, you know, nature really helped out this year with how much drought we're getting. If I had done nothing, it probably would, it probably would be at least somewhat dry. Um, uh, because this, you know, we've gotten just no rain at all. Especially compared to last year, but I don't know. I mean, I, I ideally like I, I'd like it all to be uniform because that, that satisfies my OCD, um, you know. And uh, you know, I want things to all look good, but um, I, it doesn't bother me that much, I, you know. I just uh, it's better than the bent grass that was there. That was all bent grass. What about what about? What about putting in a retaining wall and elevating it? And then that's just kind of the no man's land behind it. Can't even see it. Yeah, I mean, it, 
doing that and and putting up a fence i've thought about you know it takes out a thousand square feet of the yard you know uh the other thing that you know this house is a an experiment you know this not permanent place i'm likely going to be here for another two to three years um you know maybe a little bit longer depending but um i just keep every time i think about what i want to do i weigh the cost and any of the returns that I'm going to get on that investment. And that's why I've done everything like by hand and things that are really just, you know, not textbook and baby gateable, you know? (laughs) So, um, yeah, (laughs) but you know, honestly, what I, what I, I I see that it's already 10 o'clock. I feel like I've been talking for an hour. Um, and I, I do have like a ton of questions for you guys. All right. All um, right. Turn on the let's question. Let's do it. Meter. Let's do it. Um, yeah. So I think the the first, and we've already sort of touched on this, but the first thing I want to talk about is irrigation. Um, so uh, uh, when we were talking uh, on the phone, on one of the call-in shows, we, uh, I was trying to uh, stammer through what, what my question was, which was, um, you know, soil, uh, plant available water. And right now with the sand cap that I've got, and uh, you know, I, f- I feel like there's just not a lot of plant available water and I've got to be like really on top of it. And how long is that going to be a problem? And maybe just get down to the fundamentals of, you know, field capacity and wilt point and that kind of thing. Teach me. Okay. So uh, what you are talking about, right, is water potential, right? Matrix water potential, which we can measure in uh, kilopascals is the most widely used way to do this. And so the further and further we go into the negative, the less and less water is available. And we know what the what we call the permanent wilting point. So you talked about field capacity, right? The capacity at which the soil has no more room physically within that profile, right? Within that given volume for us to add any more water to it whatsoever. The permanent wilting point depends on the type of crop or plant that's in that soil. And so different uh, turf grasses have different permanent wilting points. And so if you are uh, one that follows and watches those TurfNet webinars, you know how people have used or have you seen those uh, TDR um, uh, uh, devices used that will sense how much volumetric... Yeah, soil moisture meters, right? So those soil moisture meters are not reading water potential. Those are reading volumetric water content. So they're saying, hey... In this given volume of soil right here, you've got 19% water, okay? So that's useful in the sense of, you know, from one site to the next, uh, that 19% or 20% might mean that it's really, really wet at your place and really, really dry at another place. You know, they're close, but they're not always calibrated. Whereas this water potential and using that as the metric is across any different soil the permanent wilting point for a plant is the permanent wilting point for that plant. doesn't matter if it's in sand, doesn't matter if it's in clay soil. Regardless, that is the permanent wilting point. So if you're growing Kentucky bluegrass, we know that the permanent wilting point of that is somewhere, per, the permanent wilting point, like where it's like done, bye-bye, no more, is somewhere in the like seven to 800 negative kilopascals. So negative seven to 800 kilopascals, 
Okay, so if we use that as a metric and we use that to uh, you know look at your turf, I think that's something that you know being um, you know you obviously if you're in the hospital you know you're monitoring telemetry from patients and looking at their vitals and all that kind of stuff. This is the same thing, right? So. Uh, some water potential uh, sensors in your soil would be huge. And also, too, using that at varying depths to try and understand where is my root depth relative to where uh, the water potential is in my soil. The deeper the soil that you have, right, the drier it's going to be end up being on top. And so what you might see, especially in more shallow-rooted uh, Kentucky bluegrass in its first summer, right, is that you have some modeling in some different areas that are a little bit more difficult and challenging to deal with. The last thing I'll say, specifically on a sand cap, right, and one that hasn't built sufficient organic matter to hold and retain water, because I bet your your OM level right now is probably like one something. It's probably really, really low. So we know yes, two, two, I think two. Okay, two. two. Got my soil tested. Yeah. Okay, so two, still relatively low. Um, you know, especially considering it's a new crop. So two percent organic matter. So. You know, we know that every 1% of organic matter in soil will hold about 25,000 gallons of water, right? So extrapolate that down for your 7,000 square foot lawn. You can figure out how much water, in theory, that you can hold in that soil based on your organic matter percentage, okay? The last piece of this is using wetting agents to help you with this, okay? So, uh, you know, I'll ask you, have you tried and or considered using wetting agents on your sand cap lawn? Well, I have a big old bottle of soaker from the lawn supply company that is en route to my house right now. En route Um, to your house right now. Yeah, so I haven't been able to play with it just yet. Um, But so talk to me. This is the part where I hit a wall where it's like, you know, we talk about the soil chemical properties and the soil physical properties. And when we're actually using a surfactant, we're affecting the the soil chemical properties. Um, and if the problem is with the physical property of the soil, you know, how, how does the, the surfactant, uh, or, or wetting agent benefit in this situation where we haven't gotten, you know, any hydrophobic spots or, anything like that just yet so it's really a couple of different ways here ray why don't you jump in on the uh, block copolymers and how those work and then i'll come back in on the physical stuff okay the way that these uh, block copolymers work is that what they do is they ensure uniform wetting and penetration when you do have water. And so, because here's what happens when you have sand. And this is like a special problem, especially with sand, is that a lot of times, some or small amounts of organic matter present in sand can become hydrophobic because your organic matter is typically derived from plant material, right? And that plant material often has either waxes or oils present in the plant tissue. And those waxes and oils will help the sand become partially hydrophobic, especially if 
your area is subject to severe dry down and then all of a sudden after that severe dry down you try to get water back into it that's when you'll notice that hey this ground or this area is not accepting water the water is just uh beating up and rolling off or else only the surface is getting wet but then the rest of the water is not going down through the full depth of sand that is where something like a uh, block copolymer surfactant will so come in I don't mean to... and and ensure wetting so is it, is it like a a a preventative step then cuz um you know or are you saying you you think that there there's still already some hydro, hydrophobicity that's becoming a problem in this sand cap already you might well have some slight hydrophobic conditions present in the sand and in that case especially when dealing with turf areas that you see burning out my first response to that if i do see a turf area that is burning out like that is i will use one of those guns that uh has that solid wetting agent pellet in it that solid block of of wetting agent and i'll hook that up and i'll start spraying everything down with that thing because that gun is very good at applying exactly what you need at this time and that is water plus a wetting agent okay that is that is exactly what's needed and in the case of sandy soils or sandy areas that have been subject to extreme heat and drought i normally consider it very important to almost treat it proactively you know i consider yeah. that kind yeah, of yeah i mean I definitely, especially with that that you know sine wave of a complete dry down to rewetting you know eventually trying to, trying to get the tr- get, yeah i mean so what i'm seeing is like uh, you know and it, it is when i'm wetting it down like it it has no problem with infiltration right now like it's mm-hmm. just as soon as it goes in it is sinking in it's just it goes it, it's it you know and and there's no beating or anything that's happening but like you know it, it just feels like there's there's no water holding in there you know and and that especially in those deeper areas of sand uh, which is okay. why I, you know trying to cross that bridge of you know you know how how chemically does the the wetting agent help in that situation um, where, you know, you've just got too many macropores, you know. Well, here's what, you know, you've got here's what's happening. Here's what's happening is that what may be happening is that you may be getting some wetting at the very surface or at the first inch or so. But what happens if deeper than that, instead of that water going down and wetting all the way down... It's just not going all the way through because the way I judge efficacy of irrigation is I want to see that water 
go down and wet that six inch depth or so uniformly throughout the area. That's what I want to see. And so whenever somebody tells me about a random dry area, I ask two questions. Number one, do you have uniformity of irrigation? Number two, do you have an issue with the media composition throughout your lawn? Because right now I'm dealing with a lawn where bloody hell, somebody sodded over areas that contained gravel. Mm. And this so is a horrifically <laughs> rudimentary drawing I just did in Photoshop. I love it. But okay, the, the, the point here is to show that even though you may be getting infiltration, your infiltration may not be even across the cowboy versus by adding the surfactant to it, you are going to get a more even distribution of water through the profile. Does that make sense? Yes. Yeah. Because yeah. what I'm trying to get at is I want to see the ground wet more like the drawing on the on the right hand side versus the drawing on the left where you know the water is just kind of wetting only in some places i mean i want to see following your path of least resistance you know where right I've got yeah space below uh build up of organic matter or you know depending on the comp the, the the level of decomposition of organic matter you know it may really like that area it may really not like that area Versus, um, you know, with with that surfactant, you really try to evenly distribute the, the infiltration um, as evenly as possible, so then, as deep as possible. Do you think that with the addition of a surfactant, I would be able to stretch out my irrigation intervals? This is where it gets a bit more complex. Uh, and it's it's difficult to say that, yes, that is always the case that will happen. Um, there are going to be some chemistries specifically that, you know, or will increase the potential for that to take place. Um, but again, a lot of that is, is going to be case by case scenario, depending on, um, uh, ET rates, um, uh, you know, soil composition, like you're talking about, uh, the density of, of turf, um, all of these are kind of going to kind of play into it. And then of course, you know, the, the chemistry you choose. Um, in certain instances, yes, it can, because you are getting a more even distribution across. Um, and then in other instances is that you will have a, a bit more of a, a retaining effect. Um, but I don't want it to, I don't want it to sound like you're going to be able to, to reach for something in a bottle and it is going to take the place of having to water the grass because that is not necessarily the case. Because right. Here's so what I'm going to tell I you. Think, oh, sorry, you can go ahead. Now, here, here's what I'm going to tell you about trying to water shallow-rooted grasses on sand. For me, I would not be alarmed or think it's extraordinary to be applying as much as a quarter of an inch to a third of an inch of water every other day okay i don't think that that's extraordinary in fact what i would probably say is 
anytime somebody starts yammering about putting down a half inch of water at a time, uh, I start to question whether they actually know what they're talking about because for me, a half inch of water at a time in many cases is too much. And it's right. too much because I'm watering past my root zone depth. And secondly, depending on the soil, that soil has no capability of even holding on to that much water anyway. And so by applying that excess of water, all I'm doing is just flushing all of my nutrients down and past where I need them anyway. Yeah. So, yeah. And so, the, I mean, you know, I think that that kind of goes into my, my second question there, which is in irrigation design. Um, mm -hmm. uh, you know, and trying to balance that with this, the, the checkbook here, you know, um, I want to do, I know, I know, I see your face to me, <laughs> uh, <laughs> but you know, get creative. That's my, my motto. <laughs> and, you know, I've had in my mind, you know, some creative solutions to this and, in, in, in some DIY irrigation sit up setup that i could put in there but <laughs> before i go digging into my beautiful yard that i just work so hard um you know i want to know what you guys think about um you know do you first of all do you do any irrigation design yourselves or, or um you know do you leave that to other people I, I deal with my own irrigation designs. I know I do because I, I have certain requirements. Yeah. I have certain so, requirements that, <laughs> that, you know, I want met. So, um, some like simple questions, which is, mm. um, the, you know, triangulation versus, uh, what this, the square, um, Walk, square method. Walk design. Yeah. Um, triangulation, you're going to have more overspray, right? You're going to have more waste. Is that right? Yes. Yes, you can have a lot more overspray. And, but then here's the thing yeah, is that when you triangulate your head placement, triang triangular placement of the heads works better if your areas are not uniform square or rectangular areas. So your typical suburban landscape where there are no straight lines, I'd yeah. probably lean towards a triangular head spacing versus if I had a lawn or, yeah, if I had a football field, bowling green or the property in Hawaii that actually didn't have any landscaping in it and there was just, you know, rectangles and squares of grass, then I'd go the other way and I'd insist on square-spaced uh, or block-spaced heads. I'm so it would depend. Go ahead. I was just going to say, if I had a 
square-sided shed, I would mm-hmm. probably go with a block design that's probably mm-hmm. somewhere in the neighborhood of about 180 gallons a minute to quickly extinguish any fire. <laughs> start getting around. The, just figuring, I, I'm just picturing Matt punching up his, uh, you know, his Hunter Hydrowise app and be like, "Oh, I'm going to run the shed fire program right now," and it's <laughs> and it's done. Yeah, the, right here. the fire the fire service <laughs> doesn't need idea. to come. It's a great idea. Hey, you should market it. You know it what worked better you than know that what? flexible hose that you had, right? You know well, that. Yeah, uh, I was going to say you can have me, Hunter come out and send a bald guy that looks like he's killed somebody in a work shirt and do a whole YouTube video with you on your property. I think it'd be great. You know, and, and on a serious note, I have to ask, why do the people that live in areas adjoining what's essentially dry forests that are like a tinderbox ready to go off, why do those people not have high-volume sprinkler heads on the perimeters of their property? None of them are ready. I mean, I just watch I just watch the news all the time, and I see these poor bastards. And first, the trees next to their property catch fire. Next thing you know, their their freaking roof is on fire. House is gone. I mean, that is just uh, I never understood because if I were living next to a dry forest, you know what I'd have all around my property. I'd have the Rainbird 8005s pointed out into the woods. Uh, and you, you I, I, just, I just say, here's the setting on my irrigation controller for fire. <laughs> so I'll, I will say that like, the reason I took this gamble uh, was last year and the year before. I, I mean, we had just incredible perfect weather you know it rained Mm. eight inches in july it rained like five inches in in august um it was raining regularly i never had to water anything and that was the garbage lawn that i had before that so i I was like ah you know it will still stay on this trend what could possibly go wrong (laughs) you know and you know i mean I, i do live in 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 such a temperate climate that i you know i really thought that we could potentially get away with non non-irrigated lawn and i i mean that's where my question is is do do we think that with organic matter buildup use of soil surfactants and maybe you know a, a little bit more uh slinging a hose around i can get keep this up you know uh in the years to come without going to, for an irrigation system? Uh, I wouldn't. I personally wouldn't. And the reason why I wouldn't is because, you know, when I'm dealing with a lawn or a landscape, I try to eliminate as many bad things as possible that I don't have control over. So, irrigation or water specifically a lack of water i don't want to be at the mercy of mother nature because like right now where i'm at it has literally been 
I want to say going on 60 days at least since we've had an inch of rain. Okay, it's been going on 60 days at least. So I would not want to place myself at the mercy of nature because I see what happens to these people, for example, that they look at and selectively remember all the times when it's constantly raining and then when Mother Nature shuts off the water for four months, look at their lawn now. Look at their yeah. lawn now or what's left of it. Yeah. Yeah, I, I had to even break into asking my wife to start watering for me and Yeah, because you know what? Here's the that here's the thing boundary is I that, did not want to cross. Okay, here's the thing is that that might give you a little bit of leverage in that you tell her, Okay, we're gonna have to bury pipe in the lawn or else deer, you're gonna have to be dragging sprinklers across our entire lawn during the daytime. Uh which which one is it? I mean, you know, you you offer the choice. I mean, <laughs> I'm just saying. Yeah, you know, I I think you can if you want to get into it, but not spendy. You know, what you could do is just put your main line out there, and then get yourself some quick couplers at various spots, so it's a little bit easier to move those hoses around. It's not just like the hose bib and you're running hoses everywhere. It could be a very small, just stand up sprinkler that you're able to pop in. It's got a short hose and bam, you can hit this zone and, and move along. So, you know, something like that could work. Um, save you a bunch of money. So you're not buying valves, you're not buying heads and installing all that kind of stuff. It's just literally the main line loop and you get some quick couplers. Uh, that could work. I mean, I'm, I'm yeah, not against you know, that, and I, I agree with you. I think it's probably like a, oh, I don't know. You could, you could endure a stretch up there of two or three weeks with no water, because whenever it starts to cool down, it, you're gonna have good weather. Like a cold front comes through, and you're like, for a couple of days, you got great, great cool season weather, even in the middle of summer. So I don't feel so yeah. bad. If you were 300 miles south, I'd be like, well, you know, <laughs> you can you can you can reseed in the fall. You can overseed in the fall. It'll be fine. <laughs> yeah, that's, keep, uh, keep that, on what, overseeding what, what, every year. That's that was what was on the bot. You know, uh, all if we had uh, you know burn and return lawn care, you know, on the bottom of all our invoices would say, yeah, don't worry about that. Shit'll grow back. It's fine. <laughs> totally fine. That's no, our disclaimer. Or else here's a here, no, here's the disclaimer. It can, it can be overseeded. Yeah, it can be overseeded. Yeah. There, that, yeah. that that's the that's the standard disclaimer, and that that to me is the beauty of cool season grass. Okay, to me that is the beauty of cool season grass is that there's all kinds of seeds available. Whereas for me, I'm a little bit extra and crazy because. There is no seed for any of what I deal with. There is none. You just chop it up and throw it out there, though, you know? Yeah, the only thing that might get you in trouble <laughs> is using that MSMA on your zoysia grass. And, uh, 
July. But... Hey. All right. So what else you got? <laughs> Question wise. So we're, uh, what what yeah. else do we got? Um. So. Uh, other questions. I threw I threw a bunch of stuff in the Discord related to yes. uh, surfactants, and so you know, at, at your leisure. Yeah, I want to. He was. I'll dig. I'll dig deep on it. I've already started, you know, doing my digging, and you know, I I, I want to go. I want to try everything that I can. I, I just want to understand it. I and and you know, be able to uh, know what I'm doing and why I'm doing it. So, um. Yeah. So the the other questions, um, actually, J. Pink, if you could pull up the growth potential, fancy schmancy little stupid graph that I put together. Oh, I love this. Um, we can talk about um, the differences in where I live and what your management practices are going to be like because of this. Um, you know, I know we we've touched on it in past Thursday Thursdays. I know you you uh, with uh, Jay Backer, that was no, a, a big one. I, I'm not quite as uh, as cold as Grand Marais, but um, it is it 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 doesn't really exactly. So I all I did was I I just tracked the the daily growth potential um, for 2021. And then mm-hmm. did a little average there with, with a monthly running monthly average, so you can see like from basically mid May to October, mid October, I'm above that fifty percent line on average. And there was only like you know five days throughout the entire year where I I took a dip below fifty because of high temperatures. Um, and so my question related to this specifically is. Um, the sand capping and planning mm. that out. Um, do I have more wiggle room? And what exactly when you're when you're saying, oh, you know, look for you know good good weather ahead, you know, moderate weather ahead. Are you really trying to plan for? Because you don't want it to get too hot, right? And um, you know, do some damage. Um, but you also want it to be warm enough that your grass is actually growing and you can grow through the stress that you're putting it through. Right. Do I have that right? I mean, I, maybe not. Yeah. I mean, I, I, so when I look at this, right, I'm looking at the extremes from mid May through October. Right. And I count one, two, three, four, five events that look to be, maybe two to three days in duration where shit hit the fan and your growth potential dropped to like what as low as 15%. So that day was hot as shit, you know, and you had some colder Mm -hmm. days leading into that. Right. So the, the daily thing is a good thing to look at. So, you know, if you drew a line of best fit between those and not necessarily an average, but a line of best fit, that's where I think you'll, that'll tell the story. So are you asking the question on how to, how to manage nitrogen in and out of those uh, weather events, or what's the th- question? Exactly? So that's my my second question. Mostly, it's about the fundamentals of what stresses out the grass, and and so in particular, planning out the the next sand capping when I'm gonna you know try to fill in these smaller areas. You know, uh, what to you is a forecast that you're like, ah, can't I'm not gonna put sand down right now because we're gonna overstress the grass. 
or do more harm than good and what looks good to you. I'm going to say for you and and what your grass is accustomed to, (laughs) I would say anything where your daytime highs are over 90 and anything where your nighttime lows are above, say, 68, 70 degrees, something like that. So rare, you know. That just it I mean, happens so I'm, rarely, I'm looking you know? at this and I'm like, I don't really see. You, That's you know, what I'm saying. Okay. It would be the, like the a, end. Of, the end of August may not be the most opportune time for you, but it's also seed time. But the rest of the, I mean, really, from May through uh, uh, September, I mean, and I would have no no qualms whatsoever about sanding. Okay. So where do you what what goes into that number the ninety and sixty eight? Like what informs that? Well, uh, well the, the that forms uh, go back. Yeah, go back and read Tursion. I was gonna say go back and read Tursion, <laughs> and they'll tell you right what's the optimum Matthew the genetic limit of the grass. What's the optimum temperatures air temperatures for cool season growth? Right. Cool season growth. Yeah, yeah. Cool season growth. Like that's for photosynthetic potential, right? Um, But that clipping yield, clipping yield increases beyond that, right? Isn't that's what um, uh, increases beyond that? But then, right? So then, then, what clipping yield increases beyond sixty-eight? And you, you're trying to basically have the turf recover, so you want more growth, more top growth. Ah, um, uh, stop! Would, stop. would you want it a little bit warmer? No, because if yield is the surrogate for actual growth in general. Actually, there's one more thing to consider, and that is what I have become very aware of. I want to say in the last, I want to say ten to fifteen years is. What I'm actually paying attention to in grass is carbohydrate reserves. And when I say carbohydrate reserves, what I'm considering is in a cool season grass, the reason why that 60 degrees at night is so important is because a cool season grass is rapidly stressed and depleted by having those nighttime temperatures above 68. And so this is why, this is where it gets deceptive now. If your grass is still growing, quote unquote, you know, has a lot of vertical growth, leaf growth. It can also be depleting those carbohydrate reserves. So my ideal conditions for a cool season grass would be when nighttime temperatures go below 68 and they stay that way for at least a week or two. That is when I'd be subjecting it to a high-stress condition like making it grow through a sand cap. And likewise, I'm completely opposite or flipped on that 
when I'm dealing with a warm season grass in that I find that its critical temperature is my nights must not be below 75. Because if my nights are below 75, then likewise, I'm running into a problem where because of those low nighttime temperatures, I'm then running through carbohydrate reserves at that time as well. So it's all about just because you see the vertical growth or the leaf growth doesn't mean that the grass is actually healthy. And likewise, right. that, is, and, and that, that is a... And that's exactly why, for example, I advise people with the cool season grass, beware of pushing the grass with nitrogen at the wrong times. So, and, and that's honestly the second part of the question with nitrogen is like, I guess it, it is, is balancing this idea of top growth being really sacrificial you know, where we're talking about luxury consumption or, you know, just too hot that you're stressing the, the, the gra grass out. Um, mm -hmm. But you also want to have quick recovery. So like, you know, when you want it to be sanded and then not look like a volleyball court, um, you know, <laughs> balancing that out, making sure that you still have enough top growth that you're going to be able to recover quickly, but um, you know, it's just not too hot, I guess this is where my question is. And then, you know, in, in general, wh where is that point when it comes to luxury consumption of nitrogen? Um, you know, how do you determine what luxury consumption is? How do you determine, you know, when you're really having too much top growth? And if you're in a climate like mine, where it, it really is temperate and you really are technically building more and more carbohydrates because of the air temperature you know mm -hmm. what's that threshold um You're, again too much nitrogen i i, you, I know that's a lot I, of questions I, but no no, no i've and i and i feel i feel like you're confusing yourself on this you know so you're using growth potential right uh right. Gr growth growth potential is your is your your bread and butter there right so that's if your guide you're at yeah, if you're at 90% growth potential and let's say, you know, you're using I see you you've got put in here a full pound per month and I would say that's you know, 3 quarters of a pound to a full pound a month. If you, if you wanted to take in if you wanted to take into account uh, uh you know, potential for nitrogen loss or something like that, maybe run it up to a full pound. But, you know, that that would be your cap and then, you know, I'd say you could you could balance that against your growth potential, right? And the big thing to look for is when your daily temperatures are exceeding or are becoming so excessive that your growth potential begins to decline, right? And that's that's right. where you want to make sure that you're not being too aggressive with nitrogen because uh, you don't have the potential to grow, but you're applying uh, the primary element to drive growth, right? So you're working against yourself right. because it's counterintuitive. So really your growth potential chart in that, in that case is your, is your determining factor. So I, I guess that what I, I got confused about is probably went too deep in the weeds, but Jay Pink, if you, if you could pull up that, uh, let's see, what did I label it? Um, 
there was a, a lecture that I was watching um, by Kreuzer. It's Clipping Yield is, is what it's labeled as, um, where he talks about the difference of uh, clipping yield uh, versus the growth potential model. And this is tall fescue. He didn't in this lecture have anything on uh, bluegrass, nor could I find what he said that he had done um, anywhere. But if you can, that would be awesome. So where you're, you're sort of looking for good growth potential and good top growth to make sure that you're recovering quickly. Is that correct? Or am, am I still confusing myself? I don't know the first thing. I, I'm so far behind on clipping yield that I, this is this is way outside of my wheelhouse. In so here and here's what here's what here's what Kreuzer would tell you too is that you probably shouldn't use growth potential as a day to day monitor, right? And Larry right. Stoll would tell you the same thing too that the, as those two have cross pollinated and learned about you know how Larry developed the growth potential model. And how Bill has taken clipping volume and used that to be, you know, sort of the the speedometer in effect, right? Of how fast things right. are moving. We find that clipping volume is a much better day to day measurement, right? To see where you're at, and then growth potential lagging here, right? Isn't always the case, but you know what he's showing here basically is that you know as your clipping yield goes up, your sugar production goes up, and the whole idea makes sense in theory because we have more photosynthetic area on the plant, right? And thus our sugar production, right? Our growth potential of that entire plant. And it's not just looking at shoots, right? Well, I think that's one thing too that people get, uh, you know, conflated is that growth potential is not necessarily shoot growth, right? We're growing at two points, right? We're going down with roots and we're going up with shoots. And so the idea here and what he's showing is that in theory, as we get more photosynthetic area on the plant, Right, the plant is able to produce more sugars, and therefore, we grow the plant faster. Right, so that all being said, to answer your question, of course, oh, Demay, he was just about scared. to answer my question. Oh, wait, 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 wait. You you cut out you when you said I'm a, to answer your question. And then oh, you to cut. answer your question, I'm, I'm sorry. There's there's a whole bunch of people here that are probably like, what the hell are these people doing? So to answer your question, um. It is this. It's um, we're way too deep in the weeds to answer the original question. I know. It's a simple. It's a simple answer. The simple <laughs> answer is when it's hot, and when I'm saying hot, you know, there's another. There's a yeah, whole other component. I mean. When it's hot, and it feels hot, and you're fucking uncomfortable outside, you probably shouldn't do shit to the grass that you might want to do. Okay, <laughs> so let's just let's just start with the comfortability factor. The other thing yeah. too is. When we're talking about sand, right, the methods in which you incorporate it are uh, hugely important, hugely important because, you know, one thing that people will do, like if you did the baby gate thing again, I would not recommend doing that. Um, first do of all, you still have either. that baby gate? <laughs> yeah, I'm going to clean it up. I'm going to use it. <laughs> you, should probably, you should probably get that thing bronzed and just hang it in the garage and film a YouTube video with it in the background. That's what I'd recommend you do with it. It's still got that piece um, of nylon string hanging off. He's going to go to leave the room tonight and the baby gate's going to be up in the hallway. He's going to be like, what? And his wife was like, I heard you talk about more sand. Somebody's going no, somebody's, somebody's to reenact that uh, in Tijuana with a donkey 
and you know a Mexican baby gate and turn it into some TikTok that's gonna oh, go viral. Oh yuck, <laughs> yuck. <laughs> With the but the the donkey will be pushing a Ryobi electric mower though for sure, right? So um, <laughs> yes. So to to answer the other part of your question, the incorporation method is huge. Um, if you go on the Discord, I think uh, Evie and the way that Evie did his sand incorporation, I thought was perfect, literally perfect. And he spent a lot of damn time doing it. Right? He even got he even got uh, the old lady out there. I'm pretty sure. So you know, little sweat equity. You know, you know, you know, sweetheart. Can we come well, together? Let, both let's sides? not shoot for the stars, okay? <laughs> well, I'm just saying. You know, uh, you, you get some help, and 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 maybe it'll go faster. I don't know. But I it, it, basically his method. Uh, he he spread everything out, and then he went back with a hose, and basically pushed all that stuff down in. So non-abrasive, like if you were dragging something across. Imagine if I had By the way. a handful of sand. And I drag it across my skin. Well, your skin's about as sensitive, if not a little more so, uh, or more so tough, right, than uh, the tissue on a leaf blade of cool season grass. I have to interject. So, please. I have to, inter- I have to interject in that, you know, I often get shocked looks when I proceed to bury a turf grass area in sand and it looks like a damn beach when I'm done. However, what happens after I've laid out all that sand is extremely different from what I see other people typically doing. There is no aggressive brooming, brushing, or raking done to that area or dragging after I put down that sand. What does happen is uh, I break out my Yeti with iced water in one hand. And then I'm holding the hose in the other, and I'm watering all of that sand in. And that is how I want to see sand incorporated into a grass area. I don't want to see, you know, people rubbing it in because, my goodness, uh, that still reminds me of the time that I fell off of a bicycle when I was uh, about eight or nine years old, and that literally dragged me across the pavement when I fell off. I mean, that's similar to putting sand on top of grass and then rubbing it in with something hard, okay? I mean... (laughs) (laughs) Wait, what? 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 What was that? Watch out. Sheila's going to come out and help top dress. When the when the Tadalafil kicks in. Yeah, but then, but then seriously, though, can you incorporate this with a whip? Or or how about that? Or how about the cat of nine tails? Oh, yeah, yeah. (laughs) But, But seriously, when, you know, sand capping or sanding a lawn, my preferred method for getting that sand into the grass and getting it incorporated is with a lot of water. With my excellent irrigation system. Yeah, that's, hey, all, that's what I just Well, it's all by hand. It's all by hand. It's all by hand. No, it's so, yeah, oh, it's yeah. all by, it's all by hand and suggestion is is that 
I kind of like Ryan's idea of Ryan. How would you feel if somebody had like an inch and a half main line buried in their lawn around the yard, and then they had taps for hoses placed strategically so that they would not need more than about 50 feet of hose to reach any part of the lawn? I think that'd be perfect. There you go. Perfect. I mean, that, because I do work on a couple of lawns where they have an irrigation system, and those people happen to have a hose bib or hose bibs tapped into a one-inch line all throughout the property. So all I have to do if I need to hand water something in, I just hook up my hose to that tap. Damn. He's got it, folks. He's got anybody, it. Anybody got a guy? Because I need a guy. I, got a guy. I, got a guy. <laughs> I don't think I can. I don't think I can do this on my own. You can. Oh. Uh, Does Rainbird still offer their training? Um, uh, the training book online? Because yeah, I actually that, I looked at that yeah. book. It, it's pretty dense text, but yeah. So the, I took a class at a uh, local community college in Memphis, uh, specific to teaching. Uh, that Rainbird certification course, and uh, I felt like that was money well spent. It was, it was actually it was really cheap, but very very effective and came in handy multiple times through my career up to this point. Awesome. Well, well, I know I, I've installed got? a number of irrigation systems, so this is uh, you know very familiar to me. You know, I've installed my share of, irriga- of irrigation. <laughs> Yeah, uh, what you so, got? We got to we got to get to the after show. So, rapid fire. Let's do this. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, my next question was not a rapid fire question, but real mowers. I I want to get into it. I want to do it. Uh, I just I know that Rotorola is fantastic, but you know, I mean, I'm pulling the blade off every single time, and I'm sharpening it. And it as lumpy as things are right now. Um, you could go, you could go to my Instagram. You could see some Rotorola footage, but, um, I just, I don't know. Am I crazy to want to get into the real Just, just, just no. start with, start with the GM 1000 and go from there. Oh, no, I was going to say not... a 220E. Go, go green. Oh. Get a John Deere 220E with the floating head. Have fun. Oh, you know what? You are not nuts because to me, if somebody says they have a bumpy lawn, that to me is the perfect use case for a properly modified greens mower. Oh, listen, actually, to a properly modified. That's the caveat there. Hold your breath. A, that's the caveat. Yeah, that's the caveat because it's a, it's a Lingenfelter GM one thousand. Yeah, because I have you know a Toro GM one thousand. However, there's certain things done to it that make it suitable for mowing grass all the way up to heights of three quarters of an inch. Are you up for that challenge or, or you could get a John Deere 220, put, put a different reel in it, have all your clip clip speed controls right there. Yes. Back lap Mm -hmm. right there, flip it. And it's got a floating head. So give you a little bit of forgiveness in the, uh, in the bumpy areas. So in the the lumpy areas. Yep. Yep. 
Or so I'm, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go third way, and the other way to do this is Cal Trimmer with a grooved front roller. Yeah, I, I have no. I was gonna ask about what do you think about the homeowner model? Homeowner. No, models. I haven't. I have no objection to that either. I don't know anything about them. No, because <laughs> I, you know, I have nothing against it because I've seen Cal Trimmers do very beautiful work. So, you know, I've got nothing against them. The only caveat to those is that they are not designed to mow very well below a half an inch. That's the only caveat. I mean, you got Kentucky bluegrass. How often are you going to be going yeah, yeah. low half? But, but then, but then I mean, right here, now I'm, I'm at like three quarters, and it's it looks great. I, I mean, uh, I'm I'm actually really happy that. with what what I what I got. Um, hey, I mean, if it, if you can do if you can do three quarter with that uh, rotary mower on a roller, you can darn well do three quarter inch with a Cal trimmer. I mean, I think it's yeah. I think it's more than doable. Your lawn is not as bumpy as you think. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Especially after uh, that next uh, load of sand comes in, that's uh, going to be a little bit less bumpy. But it is mm. a pain because uh, I do have to stay away from the Rotorola for a little bit. Because um, last time I got into the sand with that, it was just a completely dull blade. Had to. Basically, start from scratch on sharpening it. Okay, um, well, that is where what I normally tell people, and I even practice this myself, is after I sand cap a lot, there is no more mowing done until I see the grass has grown through the sand and mostly covered the sanded areas. Okay, so if I just see like a couple of Leads of grass sticking through the sand, and I see more sand than grass. No mowing. Okay, I just wait. Oh, waiting's the hardest part, Ray. Patience, sir. I mean, uh, I know. Then again, if, if anything that I've learned, uh, it's this is one of the most patient hobbies that I've, I've ha ever had. So, uh, mm -hmm. yeah. But I appreciate it, guys, man. You know, I could pick your brains for hours and I wish I would have wrote down all my questions because I'm going to be kicking myself after this being like, oh, you know, I wish I could ask that. You know, this is stupid, stupid little questions where I'm like, I don't even know. I, I can't even ask this because people are going to be like, that's a stupid question. There are no but stupid questions. I, there's Especially more time. There's, there's future. Yeah. Well, well, there, there are, there, there's no stupid questions. <laughs> I mean... Uh, only stupid people. <laughs> That's true. That's yeah. true. And this is and not the end. This is not oh, the God, end. No. You are more than welcome no. to come back whenever you'd like. And uh, and I Thank think you. we avoided the majority of uh, uh, the, the medical questions that we had intended on asking you. So you're going to have to come back. And so we can... Uh, <laughs> we can we hey, does this uh, look cost like you a little you? bit? <laughs> oh. There's a reason I'm not a dermatologist, Ryan. <laughs> oh, yuck. All right. 
Let's get over to the after show. Thank you so much. Yep. This has been Ear, Nose, and Turf. Uh, if you're hanging around, we're going to go hang out over there. And let me tell you a little bit how this works. This is going to be a, adult talk for adults, adult humor, that kind of fun thing. If you're into that, feel free to check it out. Patreon.com forward slash burner return. If you're not into that, by all means, we will not be offended. Uh, and uh, that's just kind of how that goes. Also, coming up on Sunday for our patrons, we'll be doing our live recording of our next episode of Burn and Return. And, uh, yeah, we'll catch you on the flip side. Yep. Have a good one. Hi, Bendy.